Good morning, everybody. So we are going to be doing a, a new series just throughout the summer. We're going to just do from the rabbi's desk. There's a lot of fascinating questions which come up all the time. Real life is much more fascinating than any kinds of fiction because it's real. And uh, so let's, let's take a moment to, to appreciate that as we learn a little bit together. So here's the deal. What we're going to do is, is we're going to start looking a little bit at um, this particular Shiloh. And uh, the, the, this particular Shiloh is, actually comes from Maryland. Uh, Marilyn now who, who um, but this actually happens every few months. This, this Shiloh keeps coming up because it really is in different permutations. The Shiloh is that um, in this particular case, it is um, flatware, which is 15 years old, has, is an heirloom family um, um, flatware, which was dairy and needs to be now, the question is, can it be reoriented to be meat? Can it re-identify itself as, as, um, as fleshig? Um, flatware. Does this this question comes up in very many different permutations. It happens sometimes in a different way where I was cooking or somebody in my kitchen was cooking and they they made something which was usually the way this works is I have a parav pot or a parav knife which ends up being involved in some sort of fleshig or milchig activity. Can I salvage it as a power of equipment or not? That's the question. And it usually comes up this question slightly, slightly different, but this happens a lot of time. And we kind of get the sense that there is a problem with this, but what is the problem with this? So we're going to do a brief background of the halacha and the, 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 the descent in this halacha and the exceptions to this halacha. Very fascinating um, uh, um, uh, halacha in general. So let's, uh, let, let's start the, at the very beginning. Happens to be there's, there, there's a lot, of, a lot one, of wonderful things that are written on this. A, a lot of the sources for this can be found in the Darke Teshuva, which, um, which summarizes most of, the, most of these opinions. And there's an excellent article by Rabbi Jakta in, in Kol Torah um, on, on this topic. Really, uh, the, a, lot, a lot that's written and worthwhile considering. We'll, we'll start at the very beginning. This is actually a in a lot of the halachas of Kashring appear in the halachas of Pesach. In the Shulchan Aruch, the, um, this is where a lot of this uh, applies to us. This actually happens to be in Alachas of Yom Tov, in the Shulchan Aruch, which is talking about what you can do and what you cannot do on Yom Tov. And the, the Shulchan Aruch tells us in Source One, "Mutol alaben be Yom Tov kli barzel sheavu boy palavin shel gevinav ache halibon yofer boy pashtida shel basar." So you're allowed to kasher. Libun is where you're kashering through hot or, or dry heat. Um, to a high temperature, a, uh, a utensil, an iron utensil, which has been used for some sort of um, cheese dish, then therefore afterwards to, uh, to use it for a meat dish. You're not allowed to kasher from treif to kosher, you can kasher from um, from meat to from milk to meat um, is the what the Shulchan Aruch says. So to, from a technical perspective, South of the Shulchan Aruch says it's all right to go from one to the other. However, it's worthwhile noting that there's a minag which is which is noted by the Mogen Avram. This is where this whole topic starts in source two, where he says, "Umikan mashma It sounds like. You can go from meat to milk and milk to meat, no problem. That's what it sounds like in general. He says, however, people have, generally speaking, people are no longer doing this, says the Magan Avram. Um, and he quotes the, the Goin, Marabin Yamin Mipozna, Shishoma Miram Yafe, 
ממהרם, יופי אתם למנהג, שאם יעשה כן לעולם, לא יהיה לו רק כלי אחד, ויגילנו כל פעם שישתמש בו, וזה אוסר, דילמה אוסר למיטה. So he says, you know what, what's going to happen? If you're allowed to cash from milk to meat and meat to milk, people are economically, you know, conservative. So what are they going to do? They're going to have one pot, one pan, and they're going to go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And inevitably, there's going to be a problem. Whether they realize it's a problem, whether they don't realize it's a problem, what's going to happen is they're going to forget, was it, what was it today? <laughs> did I, what did I have for breakfast? Was it, you know, did, did, I, did I fry my sausages and my, and my egg? Um, I, did I put my milk in my omelet? I don't even remember what, what, what was it. There's like, a, you know, imagine there, it'll be a Jewish invention. There'll be like a blue and red switch on the handle, you know, as to what it is now. I'm going to forget what it is. I'm like, you know, so he says it's not a good idea because it'll end up being that people will have less Kalem, and there's going to be a problem. We'll have one set of flatware, and then you just don't know what's happening. Which dish rack you even put it in? It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a balagan. Don't do it. He says. Uh, he says, and he quotes this Gemara in Chulin. So he says. Um, then he says, wait a second. But how can you go against the Shulchan Aruch? The Shulchan Aruch just says you can. He says v'hada shorin on hacha. So can did anybody pick up the difference? What was that? No, a good, good guess. Any, any kalim would work the same? Good. He says, He says, The Shulchan Aruch talks about a case of Libun, not Hagala. What's the difference between Libun versus Hagala? Libun is what we call a, a, a self-cleaning oven, right? Where we, through dry heat, it heats up to an incredible temperature. We're talking about 900 degrees, it goes red hot burns out any, um, anything on it or in it, that's libun. But when it comes to agala, what's agala? Agala is, is when I use water to, to do it. So let's say I have a pot which I was using to cook and needs to be kashered. And then I, I, or let's say to make it simpler, I have a tra- uh, my spoon gets trafed up. So then I put my spoon into boiling water and then I take it, I take it, I put it under cold water. That's, that, that's agala. How do I know which to do when? What's the rule? The rule is which means the way it was trafed up is the way it becomes kosher. So if my spoon was involved in a liquid, a li- um, uh, in, a, in a liquid trafe situation, it was a milkic spoon, it became, it went into a fleshic pot, and it was it was stirring a soup, then I need to do hagala. But if let's say I have something which should now touch the food directly, it wasn't that it was through the pros, the medium of water. Now I would need to do libon. Right, because Libun is dry heat, right? So that would be a more, 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 more. And in that case, it sounds like you can. Okay, yes. Didn't this start out as saying you're going from Yes. Well, both ways. It goes both ways. So he, he the Shulchan Aruch is talking about what you're allowed to do on Yom Tov, and he says you can do a Libun from Chalavi to Basari. And the the Morgan Avram says it's not a good idea to go either way because you're going to end up having mix-ups, but. That's limited to the case of Hagola. Hagola is much easier to do than Libun, right? Hagola is, I put the pot on the boil, it comes to a boil, three minutes later, I drop the spoon and I take it out, put it under cold water, I'm done. That's, that's Hagola, I'm done, right? So it says that should not be done cross-orientation, okay? So that's, uh, that, that's what he says. Now, he quotes, look at the, he actually says, as we see in the Gemara in Chulin, that's interesting. I don't remember seeing this in the Gemara. So what is the Gemara talking about there in Chulin? So I should note, by the way, that it's actually a misnumbered. It's not Tesama Beis, it's Chesama Beis. But the Gemara in Chulin is talking about 
um, uh, uh, the practice that a uh, a person who is a shaykhet should have. And the, the Gemara describes, the, I just brought the Gemara over here in source 3. Omar Rav Yehud, Omar Rav, Hatabach, a person who is a slaughterer, a shaykhet, Tzorich l'shloisha sakinim, would really require, best practice is to have three knives. Why? Achash shaykhet ba, one which is, is simply for shechting. So one is for afterwards cleaving the meat into the, into the correct cuts, which is going to now distribute. And the other one is to cut up what's chalavim. Fats, yeah, not, not chalav as, as milk, but chalavim. Fats, there are certain fats which we're not allowed to eat, we're not allowed to consume, that being the case. So you should have a separate knife for that as well. And by the way, today it's not as common because the shoichet is usually not the butcher, right? So we've bifurcated as in most industries where we've sort of specified. So shoichet is only in charge of slaughtering and then we have other people who are now afterwards cutting up the meat. But be as a matter, when it used to be all in one, which is the way that generally everything used to work, is that one person sort of overseed from beginning to end as opposed to the person who in, the, on the, in the button factory is just putting the button on the, on the conveyor belt, you know, like that's... So we've moved into this specificity, but in the day we already used to do everything, better to have three knives. So the Gemara says, so no, you know what? Why, why make it so complicated? Have, a, have a, a, a knife, and then you should use it to cut up meat, and then you should cut up the, the chalavim, the osrofats, afterwards. So maybe he's going to switch it around. Maybe he's going to start off cutting the chalavim, which is osr, and then touch the meat. So he says, well, in this case, he'll also mix up. He has two knives, right? So he's going to use the one for the wrong thing. It says, No, no, he's going to put a cut. He's going to have a red, a blue, a yellow, a green. He'll start making a kerim, so he'll know now it'll be more easy for him to differentiate. So the Morgan Avram is quoting a source which is using this as a possibility, is that when it comes to kashras, it's better to have more. People have this question when it comes to like Pesach. Can I kasha my XYZ for Pesach? Can I kasha my microwave for Pesach? Folks, a microwave is $40, right? It's like what you can get, or whatever it is. It's these days, you just buy another one, right? Don't in the old days where people barely had anything to put on the table and they had to kasher everything, and all the halachas of kashering on Pesach are there to be able to see how to get from one to the other, okay? But today, it's get a new Keurig. <laughs> I'm saying, like, just it's not so difficult just to have a Pesach, a, a, a Pesach item, it's not so expensive to have another one. It's better not to have to rely on kashering, right? And that's what, the, that's what you're seeing from over here is don't have something which could end up in the wrong drawer, right? Just, just make sure to have two. And that's what the Magnum is saying is don't kasher with the minagir of the, of the oil. I mean, he's saying, I've noticed that the predominant practice is not to go from one to the other, when milk to meat in this particular case, and that being has become the minag. How accepted has this been? So it turns out that there are those who disagree. So as an example, Arach HaShulchan, Rabbi Yechiel Michal Epstein, in Source 4 says, Yesh mi shiroitza lama she'ein lahagil kli shel basar leshel cholov o'le hepech, mitam shema lo yiye loi rak mi kli echad v'yigalenu bi basar lecholov, mi cholov le basar v'asli mitay v'chumri yaseirahi, v'enlonu ligzor gzeros v'midateinu. He says, you, you, you can't just suddenly start new gazeros. The Shulchanar doesn't talk about this. The Gemara doesn't talk about this. And now suddenly, in the times of the Magen of Rome, 350 years ago, suddenly now everything, right, then, then suddenly new ideas start coming in. He says, you can't make a new gazeros. The, the, the Arach HaShulchan says, this is not, this is not a, a fully-fledged practice. Similarly, the Shach also seems to make the observation, you're not going to read it inside, um, doesn't seem to be a, the, a common practice. However, it's worthwhile noting, that today it has been uh, fully accepted, 
And the, uh, part of the reason also it's fully accepted is there's lots of exceptions to it. So it's very easy to keep this halacha because there are lots of exceptions. So let's look at those, some of those exceptions. But today it's taken as a for granted. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein talks about it. We're not going to go through it for the sake of time. But Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was asked about the classic case of I find my dairy spoon in my meaty dish rack. Right, and what am I going to do in this case? Can I cash it just in case? Is this an infringement of this? Rav Moshe takes it for granted that this halacha is in application. This Morgan Avramovia is in application. So you have to be careful about this. So what do we do? So there, so there are a number of exceptions. We're going to examine a few exceptions which are very helpful for us. Number one is the Eshel Avram. The Eshel Avram is the Prima Godim. On this Morgan Avram, where he points out at the very top of page three, He says, you know how you can resolve this? Such an interesting observation. It's counterintuitive. What's lahatrif? Comes the word treif. So therefore, it's better to make it treif first. Which means, here's the irony. It is easier to kasha from treif to kosher than it is from milk to meat. Do you notice that? Because the gzaira is, is where it's too familiar. What's familiar is where I have milk and meat. And I'm going to use the same knife on both sides. And I'm going to go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. I'm going to forget which is backwards and which is forwards. That's a problem. But if it's treif, I can always kasha. I can always kasha treif. There are there certain times where hagola might not work, if depending for this, uh, you know, how intricate a design of the kli. But if it's treif, it's fine. So it says says the, the prima gardens, you know, you do make a treif. <laughs> if I, if let's say I have a milk kli and I want to make it flashek, so make a treif and then I can kasha a treif kli. That's the, that's the, 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 the yes Leah. <laughs> Yeah, but this is not Levin. On, on Yom Tov, on Yom Tov. He's saying, what can you do on Yom Tov? That was, I'm sorry, yes, you're right. That was Aloch and Yom Tov, not Aloch and Kashras. That's, uh, that's Orachim Simen Tav Kuf Tes, which is about what are the permissibilities on Yom Tov. On Yom Tov, you're not like Kashra from, uh, from Treif. But on Yom Tov, certainly during the weekday, you can. Um, so so uh, good, good catch. Thank you for, for contextualizing. Um, so uh, so the, um, in this case, he says, make a treif, and then, you do, then you're good, which is a very strange kind of thing. Cause, and in fact, the dark Shuva shouts at him and says, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's, that's terrible. That's, that's a really bad precedent to sort of allow things. But nonetheless, it seems to be predominant practice. This, this is actually accepted practice. It is better to, to make a treif than to kasher it, to kasher it, because now what you've also done is that's also, it's not just a game. What you've essentially done is you've, you've created a wedge between the concern of what the Morgan Avram said, which is what's the, what's the Morgan Avram's concern? Is that I'm going to just keep, I'm going to keep my one pan and just go from this side of the counter to that side of the counter, this side of the counter to that side of the counter, depending on which omelet I'm cooking this morning, right? So that's the concern. If I'm making a tray, what I'm doing is I'm actively actually differentiating. I'm not going to, it's not a situation where I have one pan, which I'm going to go backwards and forwards. It's probably a situation where I need to reorient something and I don't have a way to do it because there's zero. So how do I do? I make a tray. It's not going to be that I'm going backwards and forwards, trafing in the middle. That's, that's not going to happen. So th that's, that's his suggestion. And in fact, um, um, I, I know a number of poiskim who, 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 who advise this as, a, as an option. So let's say it's milk. It, it, you know, if you, if you put into, let's say, a meaty pot, which is a binyam, and you make a treif, then it's, uh, you know, then, then uh, or you, um, it, would be, it would be sufficient. Other options are, and this, this comes up all the time, and I didn't, uh, I didn't realize how accepted this is, is kashring to par of the marasham. Uh, the marasham points out that the xera of the uh, of the of the Morgan Avram is about going from milk to meat and meat to milk. It's not about parav, and therefore we can't extend this new xera to new circumstances. So therefore, and this is the most common application of this question: is I have my parav pot, and somebody in my kitchen used it to cook meat. 
have I lost my power of pot? Is it now meat? And the answer is not necessarily. You can cash it back to parv. You can't cash it back to meat. And it makes again a lot of sense because here it's not the kind of situation which is going to lead to the anarchy of the Margaret of Rome of having one kli going backwards and forwards. I, I specifically need my parv knife. I need my parv pot. So if it, it lost its orientation, I'm allowed to cash it back and I'm allowed to make it parv again. That's another uh, observation of the Marasham. Exception number two. Exception number one is make a trafe, then kashrat. Exception number two is make it parav. Exception number three we already looked at, and that is libun. Is that if it requires libun, which is a high intensity dry heat, then there's no gazera as well. It's not as easy to do. And that's clearly what the Shulchan Aruch allowed as we looked at the very beginning. The Shulchan Aruch says you can even do that on Yom Tov, in fact. So therefore, it is... It, it, it would be allowed as well. Now, it, it, just to clarify this, Kabbalah Kachpalto generally means to say is that you usually have to use the, the type of methodology it became treif in to kasher it, right, generally speaking. Um, but you are allowed to use, Libun works for everything. If you, you put something into a self-cleaning oven, that's called a Libun Gomer, everything's burnt out, and that's fine. That's totally fine. It's just a little complicated. Not everything can survive such intensity of heat as well, but that would not be under the purview of this um, Isser. And again, it's because the bar is a little higher uh, for this as well. Another example of an exception is the Chassam Sofer talks about this, is he says Pesach, and this is a very helpful thing. Whenever I get a Shaila on this nature, within a month of Pesach, it's fantastic, because he has the, the deal. When it comes to Pesach, people, and some people still today, kasher their Kalim for Pesach. So again, as I mentioned beforehand, today, thank God, flat, go to Amazing Savings and get new flatware. It's easy. It's cheap, right? So it's just everyone should have new kalim for Pesach. But certainly, there are certain things which perhaps one cannot get. Or, or, uh, um, or, 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 or yeah, let's say a person cannot get an extra kli or a person is going to cash it. It's a special kais, a special that I want to use the set or whatever it is that I, that I want to cash it um, uh, for, for Pesach. Once you cash it for Pesach, it has been neutralized in terms of its chalav or basar orientation. So therefore, the suggestion says the chasm sofer is, if let's say I have a pot, which is meat, and I really want that to be a milk pot, you know what you should do? Wait till Pesach, kasher it for Pesach, now reorient it as the opposite orientation, and let it live through. Let it carry on after Pesach now, and keep it for the rest of the year in its new orientation. Because Pesach is a allowed neutralizer which is not going to lead to my pan on both sides of the counter um, on a haphazard basis, but it'll be fine. That's what the, 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 the Chassam Sofa says. Another two examples the Darke Tshuva brings. Uh, one is a gift. This is not so common today because generally speaking, you don't gift used kalim <laughs> today. I mean, like again, we live with so much wealth today relatively, relative to minus 150 years that uh, you know, this, this is not even a shayla. But let's say, and someone comes to you and says, you know, I was thinking about you and I noticed that you were missing a pan for your meat. And I, I decided I was going to give you an extra meat pan. And you said, that's so nice, but I don't even have a milk pan. Can I, can I cash it for milk? Right? So you can imagine this happening in the shtetl, you know, and, uh, and that's so nice, right? But I need it for milk. I don't even have a milk pan. 
So in that case, he says, well, in that case, that's fine because it's not within the purview of the Xera again because the purview of the Xera is, is going backwards and forwards. It's not backwards and forwards. This is something which I didn't put in that situation. I did not start in this way. Something else did. I can now shift it as well. I can reshift it because I wasn't the one who put it there in the first place. And number three, and number the, last, the last exception is accidents. And this applies a lot of times. Is this Xera is only applicable to doing this a priori, not post facto. What does that mean? is that if I was the one who made it milk, I cannot make it meat, right? And if I made it meat, I cannot make it milk. But what happens if it's my meat pot, and it's always been my meat pot, and I always intended it for me to be my meat pot, but there was a splash, but it, 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 it came into contact with something else, but an accident happened, right, which was not intentional. In that case, when, when such an accident happens, then you're allowed to kasher it. That's not, this, that's not what the Morgan Avram was talking about, which was the, the limitations of, uh, of going backwards and forwards as well. So let's just, re, re, uh, just reorient ourselves, just to put ourselves in perspective over here. Again, there is an Isra which is post-Shulchan Aruch, although it is based on a Gomorrah about being careful about kashers, about having different kalim and not going backwards and forwards, about the sucking of the shoichet, right? But this is applied in, in the halachas of Hagola, that one cannot go backwards and forwards from milk to meat and meat to milk. Um, how accepted is this practice? We saw there are dissenting opinions, although today it's become predominantly accepted um, uh, um, as well. Um, in the Sephardic community is a question, but in the Ashkenazi community certainly. Um, we saw what are the ways out of this. So we saw number one is make it treif, and then you can kasher it rather than being milk to meat. That creates a wedge. Number two is, is going to Parav. If I lost a Parav Kli, I can go back to Parav. Then the, the exception number three is Libon. If I'm kashering it through dry heat, which is a more intense heat, as opposed to Igolo, which is where this, uh, this started. Number four is, if I'm kashering it to pace, I, I neutralize it, now allowing it to have a neutral orientation. I can choose milk or meat, and then live, live on through the rest of the year, no problem. And number five is gifts. If I received a gift, which is milk or meat, I can change it because I wasn't the one who put it in that situation. I, was, I, can't be, I don't have to be saddled with somebody else's choice. And number, and, and number six is the idea of accidents. There was a splash. There was an accident. Something happened. I'm allowed to cash her back in that situation as well. Yes. Anything which can be cashed. Anything which can be cashed. Yeah, the, the general rules of kashering would apply to this, meaning to say things which would be not kashrable in general won't be kashrable, and things which are kashrable will be. Meaning, if I can kasher from treif to kosher, then the same questions would apply, uh, it would be the same, the same space that exists. So, yeah, so it, actually, there are things which are just, it's worthwhile knowing, which are not so easy to kasher. And so things which are like intricate designs and multiple pieces that are screwed into each other and there's like little, you know, areas between the, the, the then it becomes more complicated. But assuming that you have something which is, which is kashrable and is of a material which is kashrable, that's fine. Glass is more complicated for the Ashkenazim. Plastic is a question, lecharchila, depending. So there are questions, but, but generally speaking, most of the kalim that we're dealing with are, are, are kashrable kalim. Generally speaking. What was that? China, I don't remember. I don't. I don't. We don't think we can cash a China. The China porcelain becomes uh, is is beyond our uh, our scope as well. Mm. Um, I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure about the thick. I'm not sure. The thick, <coughs> thick glass could be a, an issue of glass, and if it's glass, then the Ashkenazim generally speak, uh, avoid that as well. Once an item is neutralized, like you said, very, very neutral. You determine that it should become powder. Ha <laughs> ha. Good. 
Yes, that's a good, yes, uh, that would be fine. Yeah, let's, say, let, let, let's say in that situation that I, I, I have a Kli which I have one way and I want to cash it to, to Parav, according to this, there'll be no problem with that. Which is fascinating. You completely neutralize it, yes. Exactly. Parav is, is sort of that completely safe zone as opposed to the completely oriented zone.